Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Quick, episode 74. We got a special episode for you guys today. Obviously, Oppenheimer is dropping this weekend, so we figured we would hop on, give you guys our uh, Christopher Nolan rankings beforehand. Um, so let's just get right into it. No need to stall. We know what this man is capable of. Um, we know he's he's one of the goats, um, you know, questionably better than like Stanley Kubrick and, you know, all the greats like that. <laughs> you have annoyed so many people, including me. Though. <laughs> but all right, without further ado, uh, Seth, kick us off with your number 11 ranked Christopher Nolan. What falls at the bottom of this iconic filmmakers filmography for you? Yeah, so I think this is kind of like a common, I guess, the general consensus. I've got uh, the, uh, the uh, well, it's following. I keep wanting to say the following is just following. Um, yeah, obviously, it was his directorial debut, uh, very low budget. I do think it, it showcases um, some pretty good visuals. I think it's it's a fairly interesting premise, but I think it's it's a it's a it's a serviceable and solid debut. It doesn't really offer much more than that. I I, I was pretty uninterested in considering the film itself is. I believe only like just over an hour. It's definitely a lot long from what I remember. I think I watched it about a year ago. Yeah, so I just, six, 69 minutes, actually. Lol. Uh, <laughs> nice. I just think, yeah, like you can clearly see the visual flair there, but nothing really mesmerized me. But I don't think, the thing is, it's his debut. You don't really expect much, especially when it's, he was a younger, um, I don't know how old he was at the time, you know, low budget, good visuals. Not really too interesting, but some good techniques on show. I think I have it at like a, I'm pretty sure like a 2.5, I think is my my rating for that. That's my 11. Yeah, I, I'll just piggyback off that because following is also my 11. Echo everything you said. I think there's flares of, you know, Nolan's eventual filmmaking style. But overall, this is just, it, it's a very directorial debut for the 90s. Um, and it's just like, it's tough to like move past that because there are so many instances where I watch this movie and I'm like, this feels like, you know, some 16 year olds project in his backyard. Um, it's like a film students first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's got flares of like where Nolan is headed in his career, but overall it's just kind of it, every aspect of the film just kind of falls flat for me from the writing to the camera work. Um, so that's my number 11. Tyler, I assume it's also your number 11. Yep, it is. And pretty much echoing everything you guys are saying. Um, it, Yeah, like I said in my review, it feels like a Christopher Nolan debut in terms of the both senses of it feels like a debut. Like very much feels like someone's first film, but also feels like Christopher Nolan's debut because you see a lot of nuggets and glimpses of what like he's capable of in this. One thing that annoys me is why does every directorial debut just have to be black and white? Like Damien Chazelle is the same thing with Guy <laughs> Madeline on a park bench. It's very much like look at me, I'm an indie filmmaker breaking in the industry, black and white, retro film. It's like, it's just really corny to me. And I, I feel like all the film students like are like, oh, that's so real of him. And I'm like, no, it's so corny of you guys. And that it, it's even funnier considering like where Nolan has taken his screen. He's like the furthest thing from an indie filmmaker now. <laughs> yeah, but he still does. Like, because Memento does black and white. Uh, yeah, yeah. Black and white. But yeah, he does that more for perspective switches now as opposed to just like just throwing something in black and white just because yeah that's valid all right let's get into the top 10 even though number 10 is still bottom two seth where do we go with number 10 yeah you guys aren't gonna lie actually i don't know what time it's still doing, but my, my 10 is I, I i think i know what your 10 is tenant yeah oh 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 you i know what you thought it was gonna be okay i thought okay. it was something else okay yeah, so 10 is an interesting one man because i have admittedly i think 
this is a film that you know, like I say, about a lot of films, it needs it needs another watch. It needs a couple of the, the absolute minimum. Um, I have only seen it once, so kind of take that into account when you hear this. I do think it could go up. I think it has more more good than it has bad, or at least it did on me my first watch anyway. Um, I, I just think it was it was really convoluted. I, I think part parts moments were were too self indulgent in the confusing factor, and for me that kind of swayed me off. I think visually it's really good, and I, I do actually like the premise of it. I think it's an interesting way to tackle um, dimensions and stuff like that. I, I just, on my first watch, I found it to be really bloated. I didn't really like the audio design, which is I know is a common complaint from from Tenet about Tenet as well. But again, I think I need to rewatch that because um, you know it has been. I actually didn't. Did Tenet get a cinema release? It was obviously twenty twenty. No, see, it did. Didn't it I? did. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, Tom okay. Cruise did the famous, like, he went to see it and he was like, the movie theaters are back. Everyone come back to the theaters and very much was wrong. Uh, okay. so I only, I think I watched maybe 10 in 2021, actually. So it's been a while since I watched it. Um, and obviously my taste has changed since then. But yeah, like the main thing for me, uh, I just found it a little too self-indulgent and confusing for its own good. And it kind of masked the positives. Although I still have a positive rating because I definitely enjoyed it, I guess. Um, I think I have it like a three out of out of five. So again, still positive rating, which means I don't have a negatively rated Nolan, which um, yeah, it's a pretty pretty positive thing. Um, just, just goat stuff right there, man. Just I goat have, stuff. I actually have a negatively rated Kubrick as well. Which is kind of- <laughs> but yeah, man, like it's 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 something I need to need to rewatch, and I actually might uh, this week before before Oppenheimer because I've watched most of them. I think all of them actually, except Tenet in the past year. So that one is kind of slipping by. But as of right now, that sits around uh, the 10th spot. Have you only seen Tenet once? I've only seen Tenet once, yeah. Okay. Tyler, where do you go with your number 10? Coming in at number 10 for me is The Dark Knight Rises. So uh, it's still a four star for me. So really following out of two and a half is the only one I don't like. And all the rest, I think, are like very good movies. Um, Honestly, like... The final scene of The Dark Knight Rises ties together the trilogy so beautifully. And honestly, if it wasn't for that last scene, I feel like I'd be like even like like maybe even like a three on The Dark Knight Rises. I just, the more I rewatch it, I really don't care for it. Um, Talia al Ghul, everyone obviously has their problems with her. Um, Catwoman, I, I really enjoyed Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. But the, the thing is with like the Bale and Bane, or I mean, just the Bale Batman in general, like the, the combat is so rough. And I don't think that it's all Bale's fault. I think the... The suit they designed for him, I feel like, is really restrictive on the body or something because I feel like he just looks stiff in all his fights. And I feel like the Dark Knight Rises more so than any of the Nolan trilogy relies a lot on like hand-to-hand combat fights. And of course, like the ending one where there's just like an all-out war in the streets, but they're just like fighting with their fists in like the middle of the streets is like there's like a nuclear war going on. Why are you like fist fighting right now? Like you kind of got it when there's a nuclear bomb at stakes, you gotta get rid of your like no kill like mantra. You gotta you gotta make some exceptions there. Um, but yeah, it's like it's still a very good movie, like a four star, and I love watching it from an entertainment perspective. But I think the more I watch it, the more f- issues I have with it. Yeah, that's that is where I also thought Seth would go with his number ten spot, um, considering how much he rags on. <laughs> no, I, I I rag on it, but at the same time, I still like it. Yeah, yeah, that's I fair. Just think it's like nowhere near his best. I'm not going to yeah. spoil anything. <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, my my number ten is Insomnia, um, and, and don't take that ranking like too personally. Everything in my top ten is above a three and a half out of five stars. Even Insomnia, um, obviously, I hold Nolan higher. I really appreciate that this is like right there with Memento as like one of his tighter screenplays. 
um, Al Pacino, Robin Williams, Hillary Swank. They're turning in fantastic performances, but the screenplay is just not as intriguing as I would like it to be compared to obviously other um, Nolan films, Memento being, you know, the, the best example to compare to Insomnia. Um, so at 10, I have Insomnia. So I went following Insomnia. Seth went following Tenet. And then Tyler went following Dark Knight Rises. Seth, crack us open with your number nine. Uh, yeah, so nine, I have Insomnia. Um, interesting one. I, was, I actually watched this like fairly recently, probably the past six months or so. It's a it's a it's a difficult one because it's like I almost give it a direct comparison to not quite as bad, but like Alien Three for Fincher, where it was kind of like a studio's idea. They kind of put him put Nolan onto this onto this remake of a project. Obviously, it's a remake of a Norwegian film. Um, I actually haven't seen the, the Norwegian film, so I may have to watch that. Um, I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's serviceable. I think it's engaging. I think it's a good. I think it's a good thriller. Obviously, I like the performances. Ron Williams and Al Pacino always you know are stars as usual. Um, and Hilary Swank, of course. I think that this really never never lives up to the premise and never kind of reaches its full potential because um again not particularly on nolan but it is painfully predictable at times in my eyes and i i i think it's full of not full of but there there are consistent sequences that are bland not particularly where i want to go and i think there are a few strange narrative choices particularly towards the ending which again isn't really a fault on nolan but that's why i compare it to alien 3 for example because it's very similar to how i'd say about that because it's not really finch's fault but there is some issues I would have. In terms of the direction, I think it's good. I think it's got some visual flair. I think it's engaging. Again, I like it. I think I have it at 3.5. So um, same as George. Um, so I still like it. You know, I, I still think it's a good and en- engaging watch, but nothing really um, more than that. So that is my uh, nine. That's my nine. Insomnia is also so interesting because this was only, and it's like, it's the same thing with Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle and Christopher Nolan both did like these very low budget directorial debut films. And then for their second films, they managed like such massive start like how do you go from following 69 minutes no one of note in that movie to three years later casting al pacino robin williams and hillary swank like how do these actors trust you as a filmmaker to at this point in your career to like join in same thing with damien chazelle where he went like he cast who it was whiplash so jk simmons miles teller in his second film like I i find that's i don't know if that's like trust on the actor's part or what i think it was like from what I, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs, but I think it was more that the uh, production team kind of saw something in Nolan. They had this, the studio had this project in mind, this remake in mind, and they kind of just shoved it on him. Um, so it would be interesting because, like you said, he obviously this is being his second film. He'd only wait, was it his second film? It was, wasn't it? When did Memento yeah. come out? Like when he Memento came out 2003. Oh, oh, Memento came out 2000. 2000, oh, just... actually, yeah, 2000. Oh, okay. oh okay. well, yeah, that makes a bit more sense. Okay, so that makes way I more sense. That's my later. fault. Okay, yeah, yeah. They would have seen it probably from memento stuck him yeah. on this project right after he wouldn't have really had much of a say of what goes on because obviously memento he worked with um uh carry on moss and, and guy pierce who are obviously you know big actors as well yeah so i actually yeah i i thought memento was after i thought it was like mid 2000s for some reason yeah that, so did i i thought memento was like right before the prestige which i guess it's not I tyler I do, yeah. what is your number nine yeah my number nine is insomnia um this is, I think this might be the only Christopher Nolan movie he didn't write. So like we were talking about, and, and when it comes to like Al Pacino and the cast attached, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was something where like the studio had the actors picked for this movie before they even had Christopher Nolan picked. Yeah. And then it was something where they saw Memento. They're like, oh, that's a mind fuck movie. That's like, 
throw Nolan in this because this uh, Insomnia was executive produced by George Clooney. So similar to like what you heard about, like Leonardo DiCaprio potentially doing an American remake of another round, which I think might be dead in the water. But regardless, it seems like it's like a big name actor will find some foreign film and like produce it for America. So I think this is like George Clooney's version version. And uh, I haven't seen the original, the, the Norway version. I know it has a uh, Stellan Skarsgård, I believe. But still, even with that, I just don't know if I could would enjoy it more than like it's Pacino and Robin Williams. Like I get it. Like ninety nine percent of the time, I agree the the original is better than the American remake. But it's gonna be tough to find like get more compelling acting than like Pacino and Williams. Even though I don't like love this movie, I still really really liked it and found it pretty engaging. And I thought Pacino especially did a really good job. And Robin Williams is obviously always like incredibly quirky in these movies where he has to play someone like with an off kilter mental mental state. Um. So yeah, number nine, Insomnia amazing now we're getting now i think we're getting into the meat of the nolan filmography seth i'm assuming i know what your number eight is you do yeah okay (laughs) i was gonna say i honestly i thought it was gonna fall way closer to the bottom than number eight no it's so obviously it's it's dark night rises um it's a difficult one because i i i am fond of the moments of the dark knight rises like i definitely don't dislike it i, I have a 3.5 again which is a, is a positive rating i think dark knight rises is best described as a ridiculous over-the-top mess if i'm honest but again there is fun to be had there i just think thematically it's it's really really messy at times especially in, comp- uh, in comparison to the previous two we got in the trilogy um i just i, I think that there's a lot that goes there's, there's a lot of choices in this one that for me were unsatisfying, particularly with the ending, and kind of lacked the oomph we needed to, to end this trilogy. And it really does bring down the trilogy in my eyes significantly. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of fun to be had. I think there's some of the most iconic sequences, especially with Bane as a character. I think that it, the direction is still there. It's just the combat is a little bit of a mess. It, it, like Tyler said, it relies on the Hantan, which I don't think is Nolan's strong suit, which we've seen in the previous Batman films. That's definitely not Batman's film's strong suit, is the Hantan combat. Um, but I, I still, I still, I still can watch it. I still can enjoy it. There's just a lot of moments that irk me and that annoy me. But at the same time, it's 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 nonsensical fun. Um, and and if you've spent time, if you enjoyed or loved the, the begins and 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 the Dark Knight, there's still a lot of you know, love to be have here with, with with the characters. And of course, the cast in this one is probably the best. I mean, regardless of Heath Ledger and you know whatever. But the overall cast is fantastic in this one. There's a lot of interesting characters, a really charismatic cast, and I do love Tom Hardy's Bane. Uh, but yeah. It's just a bit of a a mess, and I think I, I I actually think the more I've watched it, the less I've liked it. To be honest, um, it's a three point five, so it's a positive rating. But that is my number eight. Eight. That was yeah. number eight. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. gonna follow up because my number eight is also The Dark Knight Rises. Um, oh, I thought you'd have that. Okay. No, I as much. It's a four out of five for me. So I still like. I really love it. I it obviously has glimpses of the greatness of the dark knight i think christopher nolan still does a good job at giving us an effective batman story but for all the reasons you guys said i think you know talia al ghul was a misstep i think tom hardy as bane was slightly underused the hand-to-hand combat throws me off every time i watch it um i absolutely love that we get like these massive set pieces in a batman film um you know we saw it in batman begins a little bit at the end and now we're seeing it again in The Dark Knight Rises at the end. That's something I love about Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. He's not afraid to like make the stakes feel incredibly high and get like entirely Gotham City involved in what's going on with you know Batman and Bane or, or Batman and the Scarecrow or Batman and the Joker. 
Um, but yeah, I think screenplay wise, it's a slight misstep. There's a lot of questionable directions this film heads, but it's still a four out of five for me. But that's my Nolan and Batman bias, probably rating it that highly. Realistically, it's a three and a half out of five. But either way, it would still fall at that number eight ranked spot for me. Um, I will say, Tyler, like The Dark Knight Rises has a lot of messy moments in it, but one of the best book-ended movies, like the intro sequence and the ending sequence, I think are absolutely phenomenal. Like, yeah. That opening plane sequence is one of my favorite sequences in a movie. And of course, like the restaurant, like with like Alfred and Christian or and Christian Bale, like that's just such a beautiful way to end the trilogy. So like a lot of the stuff in the middle I have issues with, but like, man, what the beginning and ending of that movie is so good. Yeah, and and I honestly probably completely agree with what you said earlier, Tyler. If the ending of this movie, which also happened to be the ending of the trilogy, wasn't as incredible as it was, I would probably rate this slightly lower. Um, uh, so yeah, my number eight is The Dark Knight Rises. Tyler, your number eight. Yeah, my number eight is The Dark Knight, so bold placement. I, this is a movie that I watched so much as a kid, and I loved it as a kid, and I just need to stop watching it because every time I watch it, I feel like I like it less, and it is a really good movie, but I just like dislike it every more every time, so I think I'm just like done with The Dark Knight because, A, Maggie Gyllenhaal is like it's so insufferable to me. I know everyone thinks Rachel Dawes is insufferable in Batman Begins, and I also kind of agree, but I thought Maggie Gyllenhaal was worse, but I really dislike her in everything. I, I really love her as a director. But really just like her like every performance um heath ledger obviously phenomenal nothing needs to be said there but even like the more i watch like aaron eckhart i know george you think really highly of his performance i really just don't really care for his two-faced performance um gary oldman as well like i don't know it's just like the more i watch it the more issues i have with it i think the opening sequence of course incredible heath ledger of course incredible um i still think there is some messy moments that are similar to like the dark knight rises that Again, I just have noticed as it more goes on because I feel like the Dark Knight for me at least has like a few like a half dozen super iconic moments, which is like a lot for a movie, which is why I still give it a 4.5 stars. So I still rate this movie really highly, but I just feel like there's a lot of wow. ma majorly awesome moments in this movie. But like the, I guess like from beginning to end, like as a flowing movie, I just don't love it as much as everyone else. But I just feel like it's like a good movie with some like super high highlights. And I feel like Heath Ledger carries for me and I just have some issues with some other stuff. But again, like I'm just like defending my placement, even though I give it a 4.5 star. Yeah. I'm uh, surprised at that, that your eight is a 4.5. I didn't know you were like that high on Nolan, I guess. I'm really, yeah, I, 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 I love Nolan. <laughs> I've Nolan's a beast. That might be higher than George's overall ratings then. Yeah. Probably. My, I, my mean, four, I only have a 2.5 for following. And then at, no, at number 10 is a four star with the dark Knight rises. Oh shit! Yeah. Interesting. Actually, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna currently. Don't, I, don't no, no. I, I'm just saying. Currently, my top eight are all four and a halfs and above. But I'm gonna lower Dark Knight Rises to a four out of five. I didn't realize I still had it at a four and a half. Okay, so you said four. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to comment, Aaron Eckhart. I, I think I hold him higher than like most people. I think this is such an example of like a Ethan Hawke. Denzel Washington training day where Denzel is so fucking good in that movie that people forget just how good Ethan Hawke was too. And I think the same thing rings true for the dark Knight, where Heath Ledger obviously is putting on one of the best performances we've ever seen in all of film, not just a comic yeah. book movie. Apart from, apart from Brokeback Mountain. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, and it's just, it's overshadowing Aaron Eckhart as Two Face because I think he turns I, I, I in. I actually agree. I think he was really good in that. Yeah, I, really I, I think he turns in such a good performance. I'll get to my overall thoughts obviously when I get to the Dark Knight. Um, 
which won't be for a while. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Seth, what is your number seven? <clears throat> yeah, so I had, a, I had a difficult one with this one because my so this is kind of where like uh there's a massive increase in quality. This is where I get into like my four stars from the 3.5, but it's like a big jump. Um, so I was stuck between two. But I think I'm going to go for Batman Begins. Uh, Batman Begins is interesting. I actually think Batman Begins is a, is, is a great origin story. I, I really like the simplistic style. I actually really like how Gotham looks as well. Um, I don't think it's the most consistent tonally. I do think they struggle to utilize the villains as much as they could. But I think there's some really great sequences in this. I think Batman as a character is explored really well. I really liked Christian Bale's introduction and his kind of arc throughout. Um, but I do think the antagonists in this were underdeveloped themselves. But I think it's it's gritty, it's simplistic, it kind of pulled the Batman franchise um out of the dumps, I guess, because obviously the previous Batman franchise we had was the um the uh, George Clooney franchise in the nineties, which you know is what it is. But like I think that I think it did a really good job. And I do want to stress as well that this is like a four star, but it's a big I hold begins a lot higher than I would rises because I think it's a lot more structurally sound. Even though I don't I don't think it's the best totally. I, I think it uses the characters well and and introduces Batman to the world well. And I I also really like how Gotham looks. But again a big, a big, big issue I have with this film is the hand-to-hand combat, especially in the in the Batman Begins. It's not great. It's really not. Um, but yeah, I really like this film. Uh, so that is my seven, and it's a uh, four out of five. So this is kind of where I get into my higher, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I feel like going forward now, we're all we're all rating these movies rather highly. Uh, Tyler, where do you go with number seven? I feel like I have a. Did you already give clue. your eight? Th- yeah, yeah, I gave my my eight was Dark Knight Rises. I went right after uh, Seth did. Oh, okay. Um, so back to me. Uh, yeah, right. So my number seven then would be Batman Begins, um, which, what do I have it at? I have a 9.1. So we're getting really close to like a five at this point. It's a 4.5 star. This is my favorite of the Batman trilogy. And it's been that way for a couple of rewatches now. I just think it's such a great introduction to his character. I think at the end, the final third is the worst part of this movie. I think the buildup of the first two acts, though, are incredible. And like like reviewing and watching any movie it all has to do with like when you watch it and your mental state and like when like how you're feeling and stuff because like ba- basically like this is when i first started logging movies on letterbox the last time i rewatched this and i just watched the entire mcu through from start to finish and all i was watching was mcu movies and i like finished that off and then i went right into batman begins to start like the dc watch through and like going from all like just nothing but weeks of mcu films to this like Maybe I overrated on this later rewatch just simply because I was like, holy shit. Like, this is just so much better than MCU stuff. Just the, the tone, the darkness. Like, because immediately you start off in this movie with, like, Christian Bale, like, in the wilderness, like, in, like, that shed with, like, the fire and, like, a big, like, fight that's, like, brutal hand-to-hand combat. And I'm like, God, I just finished watching, like, <laughs> Amp, like, freaking Captain Marvel and, like, Thor Love and Thunder and all this shit. I'm like, God, this is just so much better. So I think that that could play in a factor to why I, like, overrated it because, like, just the big shock factor of starting this trilogy after watching so much MCU. But, yeah, I, I still really love this movie just mainly because this is one of my favorite origin stories. I mean, I like the Batman better as an origin story, but obviously when I watched Batman Begins many times, it was long before the Batman ever came out. But I still think this is an incredible origin story and really really big leap for christopher nolan and his filmmaking in terms of the scale yeah we, weirdly like the more i've been on like movie talk and movie twitter i see so many people 
saying the same thing you said, where they prefer begins to the dark night. Like I didn't realize how common of an opinion that was until I like joined TikTok and Twitter. It's a whack opinion, but you know, <laughs> uh, my number seven goes to Dunkirk, um, which I know for you guys, you both, I'm pretty sure have it rated very highly. Um, it's still four and a half out of five for me. Um, I absolutely love that Nolan dipped into the the war genre and gave us this really raw and super like personal and intimate story that also just included these incredible massive set pieces. I think visually this is also one of Nolan's best. Um, it's it's fucking incredible. Um, I, I I like the the cast and just how subtle everyone's performance was, but just how powerful it was as well. Killian Murphy I think was incredible. The skies just absolutely opened in New York. Jesus, it is pouring fucking rain right now. Holy shit. Um, sorry. The streets uh, need but you. Yeah. It's, it's calling you for <laughs> the, Batman. The, I, I, I got to go. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so I, I got Dunkirk at um, at seven. And surprisingly, this may be like my least rewatched Nolan movie. I think I've only seen it twice where I've even seen like following an insomnia like three or four times. Um, just because every time I do like a Nolan ranking on TikTok, I, I go back and rewatch like a few of the films I don't remember. Um, so perhaps on rewatch, I'll, I'll rate it higher. I will say it's it's like right there with my number six. You know, it, they're pretty much interchangeable. Um, and if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to give my number six because Tyler talked about it. So I could just brush on it really quickly. My number six is Batman Begins. Um, in terms of origin stories, I think this is one of the best we've ever seen in comic book movies. Um, I, I do hold the Batman slightly higher. One thing I absolutely praise about Batman Begins within the Dark Knight trilogy is its portrayal of Gotham City. I think that is the absolute best. I think the Batman does such a good job at giving us a, a you know gritty uh, Gotham City and... People are forgetting just how good Nolan portrayed Gotham and Batman Begins, especially because The Dark Knight is usually the film from the Dark Knight trilogy that everyone talks about, everyone remembers. And I don't think that movie portrayed Gotham City nearly as well as Batman Begins. Um, it's also just such a fantastic introduction to the character of Bruce Wayne, where he's added in his life at the point of, um, you know, this particular origin of Batman. Tyler, you touched on it. This movie just opens in such like a cool fashion where like Bruce Wayne is like disheveled, you know, running through these streets of this random city and he's getting into fights with people. Um, it's it's a, it's a brilliant introduction to like the mental state and where Bruce Wayne is as a person. And then I think this is the movie where Bruce Wayne as a character grows the most. Um, it, it's the best development uh, of his character within the Dark Knight trilogy, in my humble opinion. Um but that's not a knock to, to Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises. I just think that's one thing Batman Begins does slightly better than the rest. Um, so my number six belongs to Batman Begins. Seth, what is that your number six? Yeah, so my number six is Memento. Um, interesting one, because I know a lot of people have Memento quite high. I think it's one of the highest rated on, on Let's Watch, if I'm mistaken. And I do really like it again. This is a four-star for me, so it, it's... Um, it's not really a knock because I did really like it. I just, in terms of Nolan's works, I actually found Memento to be interestingly fairly forgettable, um, which is interesting because I think I think it's one of the grittiest and and, and most absorbed um, in, in crime and, and dark messaging, and it's one of Nolan's most empathetic films as well. 
But I just I, I found it quite forgettable due to its structure. I don't really like the overuse of exposition, which I do think is needed. I just don't think this is my sort of film um, in totality. I didn't love the aesthetic as well, to be honest. I didn't use the, I didn't actually love the constant use of like flashbacks and stuff like that. I just it, I think this is a film that I just didn't completely vibe with. I guess. Um, although I still really liked it my first watch, uh, which actually only was about less than a year ago, um, which is kind of weird. I just, I've never been that bothered about revisiting it, and it's always been slightly forgettable for me. The first watch was great, really enjoyed it. Didn't particularly love the constant use of exposition, although I understand that a film like this, with its nature and with its confusing nature, it, exposition is needed. Um, I think, you know, with Nolan, everyone gives him shit for his exposition a lot of the time. And it's like a case where, you know, I think in a film like this, you can kind of give it a pass. There is there is a certain amount that is needed to divulge such a complex plot. But it just didn't really pay off for me. Um, most of it I enjoyed. Some of it I didn't. But overall, it's really, really good. It's a, it's a, one of his most empath empathetic works. It's dark. It's gritty. Guy Pierce is incredible in the role. Um, possibly one of my favorite, like, I guess, Nolan leading performances. I, I don't know where it would land, but probably in the top two, three. I don't know. But yeah, really, really good. Four star, just you know, a bit forgettable for me in comparison to all the known words. But again, four star. So that is my is that sixth. Yeah, six. Yeah, that that was six. Okay. Um, Tyler, where do you go with number six? Number six is where I go with Tenet. So Tenet, uh, like I was talking to George yesterday about it. This is one of Riley's favorite movies of all time. I actually didn't see this when it came out in theaters for obvious reasons. Like the world was in a very weird place at that point, and. I didn't go to the theaters to see it during COVID. And uh, when I first met Riley, she was like telling me she loved Tenet. I'd never seen it. So obviously it's a Christopher Nolan movie. I'm like, sure, like I'll watch it. And really, really loved it from first watch. I've seen it twice now. really like it. The biggest issue I had with it was I wasn't sure if John David Washington was not a great actor, or if like he was written poorly. And I think after Amsterdam, I think I might be on the side that he's just not a great actor. So initially, yeah. Okay. Thank you. I didn't want to see those blasphemous. Cause I remember watching 10. I was like, something's off about his performance. I don't know if it's the way Christopher Nolan wrote him or if it's his performance. And I think Amsterdam just locked it in for me. I was like, mm. cause I, I think Robert Pattinson is great in tenant. So I think it is more just John David Washington's not super. I think that like the issue is like as harsh as he's just not charismatic. Like when he's talking and delivering lines, it's just so dull, dull. and unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, un like you don't buy into it. But Robert Pattinson just oozes with charisma. This is very similar to the the Dark Knight Rises opening to where you are immediately thrown into like a high intensity action sequence. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? Um, so it's funny because Seth mentioned Memento having too much exposition. I think it's like a common, not like super common complaint, but like I've heard other people say that. And I think it's funny because Inception's like super confusing and gets super complex. But you can get Inception. But then Tenet for sure is like... If you watch Tenet the first time and you understand everything, you're you're just lying to everyone. So it's like Christopher Nolan's like <laughs> finally Tenet. He's just like I need I need a, a, a my final mindfuckery movie before I move on to some <laughs> biopics and other type of genres I want to do. So definitely a complex movie to bite into. But I, I I mean one of my favorite movies ever or like style of movies ever when I first started getting into movies is the type where you watch it, it blows up your brain and you like go immediately to YouTube for hours to watch movies like trying to digest it. And that's what you have to do here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoy this movie. I think a lot of people hate on it for improper reasons. I feel like a lot of people hate on it who haven't even like given it a chance or especially given it a chance to rewatch it. So if you haven't seen it, I would give it a rewatch. Or if you've only seen it once, I'd give it a rewatch because I just really like Robert Pattinson. This one. And the visuals are super cool. And the, the like. Uh, this is also a really fun one for people who are like just film fans. Like This is a real fun 
rabbit hole to go down for behind the scenes stuff because how they film like a lot of these and like uh especially like they use like real like hand painted artwork for a lot of the backdrops and it's just a lot of cool stuff from like a production design and filmmaking techniques on this movie so i really like tenant and really appreciate tenant too yeah, this this is one movie in Nolan's filmography I wish I rewatched before this ranking because I do think it would have fell a little bit higher. I've only seen Tenet twice, and I haven't seen it. Though those two times were the week it came out, um, so I'm like super outdated with Tenet. But I wish I had like seen it before. I think that's going to be my watch tonight. Before we Where get into a, what? Where was Tenet on your list? Number eight? nine, nine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before we get into our top five, let's just recap our 11 through six. I had Following at 11, Insomnia at 10, Tenet at 9, Dark Knight Rises at 8, Dunkirk at 7, and Batman Begins at 6. Seth, what was your 11 through 6? Uh, yeah, so it was Following at 11, uh, Tenet at 10, um, Insomnia at 9, Rises at 8, uh, Begins at 7, and Memento at 6. Awesome. Tyler? Yep, I had following at 11, 10, The Dark Knight Rises, 9, Insomnia, 8, The Dark Knight, 7, Batman Begins, and 6, Tenet. Awesome. Now we're getting into our top five. You know, the the meat of the Nolan filmography, where he's most likely solidified himself as one of the goats, uh, according to Seth, number 18 of all time. Was it 18? No, no, it was higher. I like Nolan. It was like was it? 50. It was like 50. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I like Nolan. Right. Nolan's cool. I'll tell you. Cool, All right, then kick us off with your number five. Yeah, so my number five is The Prestige. Um, interesting, actually. So Prestige, on my first watch, I, I think I would have had this higher. I think it was like third for me. Upon rewatch, I did like it a little bit less, but I still think it's it's great. It's another four star. Um I think it's clever. I really like both Hugh Jackman and, and Christian Bale in this. I think it's clever it's mysterious i love the production on this one i think the production and the costumes are great and it really has that kind of um that feel to it and that aesthetic that i really really enjoy um i do think that especially on the first watch there are some of the twists are really good and, and we know that nolan likes to play the mind games it works for some it doesn't work for others and i think this is very much a nolan film in that he tries to throw you around every bend um and a lot of the twists work, especially well, especially one on first watch, especially kind of the end, the final one. I think that was great. I think that was really, really well puzzled together. But I think my only letdown with this film is I think it tries to do too much in terms of the twists. I think there's too much drive towards pushing you around every corner to the point where you almost expect another twist. So at that point, you receive one. And I noticed that more on a rewatch. And I think that encapsulates Nolan as a filmmaker because whether you like it or you don't, I tend to like it, but I think it gets to a point where it gets a bit much with the prestige for me anyway. Um, but I still, I still think the prestige is really, really good. I, I, li I like um, all the cast in Scarlett Johnson is great. Scarlett Johnson are young, Hugh Jackman, Christy Bale, et cetera, et cetera. Um, also like fucking uh, David Bowie and um, Andy Serkis as well, which is cool. I, the main thing I love about this one is, is the production. I think it's great and it is puzzling and it's, it's tricky. Um, but yeah, I think it just tries to do too much in regards to the, the narrative twist. But um, yeah, really good film. That is my uh, five and that is a, a four out of five. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just continue uh, from there just because The Prestige is also my number five. Seth, we're overlapping a little more than I thought we would, honestly. Yes, no. um, yeah, Prestige is my number five. And and again, I know, especially Tyler, a lot of people hold that movie a lot higher. It's a five out of five for me. Every movie in my Nolan top five is a five out of five. Um, pretty much echoing a lot of what Seth said. The one thing I love about The Prestige is the redirects and the twists and just how well they work. This movie is just 
very unpredictable, which I absolutely love in terms of like where they take the characters, where they take the narrative. Um, and I think it just all kind of meshes together very well for obviously that like final big reveal between Jackman and Christian Bale's characters. Um, nothing I need to say about the acting. It's Christian Bale and it's Hugh Jackman and it's Scarlett Johansson. These are three of the best actors of our generation. Um, and this is where for me, obviously, I haven't mentioned Memento, so spoiler, it's ranked higher than The Prestige, but The Prestige is really where I felt like Nolan came into his own as a filmmaker. This is really where he like kind of decided what route he wants to take in terms of like these massive productions and also incorporating like these nonlinear storytelling, this nonlinear storytelling. Um, and it, it just feels like such an like official introduction to his career. Again, even though I rank Memento higher, as you will see, um, but the prestige just feels like this is where he really decided like what path he wants to go down. Um, I absolutely love the prestige again. Everything in my top five is a five out of five. So don't take that number five rank for the prestige too personally. Tyler, what do you have at number five? Number five for me is Inception. So um, nothing really like, I mean, you were talking about movies of stacked cast like this has Leo DiCaprio. It has uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's got Killian Murphy. It's got really just like stars galore. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like of all the Nolan films, like, Inception's one that you just need to say the least about at this point. Like it's like such a complex film, um, really pushed a lot of stuff forward that I've seen a lot of films trying to emulate since then with like the whole world bending aesthetic. I've seen so many films trying to copy since, but none have really been able to quite capture like Christopher Nolan. Um, from like this movie was iconic from the moment that very first trailer came out with like the you know the blah like the epic like that immediately yeah. took the whole world by storm. And uh, yeah, I saw it. I saw it in theaters, I believe, and, you know, obviously rewatched it a ton over throughout the years. And it is one that I think is actually even more complex than people give it credit for. I think this is one that a lot of people like to say they have figured out. And I thought I used to be at that point, too. And then I watched like a super long YouTube video explaining like it even deeper than I've ever seen explained before. I'm like, man, there's still a lot of stuff that even people that say they like understand Inception still haven't quite quite grasped. So I feel like it was just a very complicated screenplay, a very complex movie. I really didn't care for his relationship with his wife. Like, I, I, and she's she's the same person who played Talia Al Ghul, right? Like the same actress, I believe. Yep. So I, yep. I don't know if it's just her acting that I just don't really buy into for both those movies, or if it's the way she's written. It's probably a mixture of both. But didn't really care about the relationship too much. But other than that, like that's really the only gripe I have with it. I really enjoy Inception. I love the the setting from going from these world bending worlds to like the, you know, the middle of the snowy mountains where they're kind of doing the final raid at the end while also being in the middle of that bus that's falling off of the bridge. Like it's just such a cool, cool set piece. And again, like the same thing I can say with uh tenant, this is a great one for film nerds to look at behind the scenes stuff. Like obviously like the rotating hallway and so many, like the production designs of Christopher Nolan's movies in terms of the settings he can get, but also in terms of the, the practical effects he does on all his movies are super cool and inceptions no, no exception i know like we always like make fun of like creed 3 for like the consistent discourse like oh there's so much anime inspo but inception's one movie where i'm surprised we don't see that more often because there is a lot of anime inspo especially from like the rotating hallway um to to, to just like specific like shot selections here and there um i'll, I'll talk more about inception when when i get there um I think Tyler hates me based on his inception and Dark Knight ranking, but you know, whatever it happens. Uh, Seth, your number four. Now we're getting into the meat of the rankings. Yeah, so my number four is Inception. Okay, you uh, both hate me. I will say, George, <laughs> that it's 
so this was actually my three last night. Okay, so you definitely hate me. I rewatched I rewatched something, which you know, up a little bit. Okay, no spoilers. Uh, yeah, no spoilers. But I do like Inception a lot. I think Inception. I am gonna be that guy. I do think the exposition in this bogs down a rewatchability. I really, really do. For me, anyway. And I am also going to be that guy and say, I don't care about the characters in this film. I, I just don't. I, I don't care about the relations. I don't care about the characters. But I am also going to be that guy to say that I think this is a uh, overused term, but a, a technical marvel. I think it's incredible to look. I I think this is... A, a a science fiction epic that is you know an enthralling combination of kind of beautiful visuals and and a charismatic cast even though i don't particularly care about the characters themselves i think the charismatic cast and who who they have on show i mean actually it's unfair to say i don't care about all the characters because i was like i kind of do but let's say most of them and the relationships um but i think it's such an interesting premise and i i do agree with tyler i think it actually is more complex than most give it credit for I was definitely one of those guys. Like, I remember the first time I watched like 2001 or Inception or whatever, who said, like, you know, understood on the first go. I definitely didn't. Um, I think it has, you know, its storytelling is layered and potentially more, you know, like I said, more complex people give it credit for. And I, I think that it does require multiple watches. But I think for me, the exposition just bogs it down slightly. But it is a technical marvel that deserves to be applauded because um deserves all the applauds because it does look just incredible. And some of the set pieces, you know, the rotating door, I, I love that scene. I will regularly watch that scene. And of course, can't really mention Inception without mentioning the score as well. Um, which if you didn't know, I actually saw live recently. Very good. So yeah, fucking time, jealous of that. Time blew my head off. I yeah. god. It's a, it's a great film. I um it was three, but you know, on rewatch last night, it's still it's still really high, so it's still at a four star. Um, it has been like uh, probably eight or nine months the last watch. I don't think too much of a change. We might be worth watching again soon because I know Anna hasn't seen it and she wants to watch it, so I might do that soon. Um, but yeah, four out of five, really, really good film. Just not like um, it's. I think so. This is the last film. I will say spoiler. This is a four star for me. Anyway, very nice. Uh, my number four um, is Memento. Um, again, I, I mentioned this when I talked about Insomnia. I think Memento is like. Christopher Nolan at his best screenplay wise. Like I think it's his tightest screenplay. Um, it, it feels like his most personal. I love the nonlinear storytelling. It can get obviously a little confusing at times. And this is definitely one of many of Nolan's films that, you know, beg for a rewatch um, guy Pierce. I don't know if this is like an exaggeration, but outside of like Heath Ledger in the dark Knight, I think this might be the best performance in any Nolan film. Uh, I I think he's fucking mesmerizing, got, and he can't. I think I have his third. I think I have his third. It, it's just one. Of, it's one of those performances where, like, one, I just can't imagine anyone else having pulled off this script better. Right. Two, I just can't imagine this movie would have been received as well at his as it has been if there was someone else in this role who didn't live up to what Guy Pierce did. Um, but I absolutely love Memento, and and we're we're in our top four right now. All four of these are in like top 50 of all time like greatest movies of all time not just you know favorites um that that's how highly i hold the remaining four tyler where do you go with number four yeah piggybacking right off your your discussion memento is also my number four um i i think this is just really christopher nolan coming into his own as a filmmaker like uh this is obviously his only second film you could really see 
nuggets of something like this from following where you could see him trying to put the pieces together of trying to make a confusing non-linear mindfuckery type movie and I feel like the pieces really came together with Memento with some great acting performances and some interesting filmmaking techniques with like the use of color and black and white to indicate forward and backward motion uh I yeah it's just been he, he just has such a fascinating career to watch and he really is like one of my favorite filmmakers of all time and if we're talking about purely average he might be my number one all time just purely based on his average rating like I mean I give 10 out of 11 of his films above a four star or four star or above so like not really many directors out there that I have rated that high <clears throat> so I, I don't know this movie's super gritty it's super like I don't know. I wouldn't say it's unapproachable, but like I feel like Inception is just as mind-bending as this in terms of confusing plot. But I feel like Inception, maybe it's just because like you know Leo DiCaprio and more name-brand cast, whereas like Guy Pearce, I agree, is incredible, but your everyday Joe is not going to know him as much as you know like a Leonardo DiCaprio. So maybe that's the reason. And I guess it just has a grittier aesthetic. But something about Memento, I'd like hesitate to like recommend to like my friends to watch like immediately because I feel like this is more like a. It's not even a niche film, but I just feel like it's just one of his least approachable films from like just a kind of a casual film watching experience. But I really enjoyed. it. I've only seen it once, so I definitely need to rewatch on it. But even on first watch, I gave it a 9.4 out of 10. I really, really enjoyed it. Such an interesting concept. Um, it was a short story by his brother that then Christopher Nolan like adapted into a long form story. And his brother and him have actually collaborated on a lot of their the writing for their movies. So, um, yeah, just a, just a cool movie, honestly, that I definitely, definitely need to need to rewatch. Yeah, outside of like following, Memento is definitely, I think, like Nolan's like least accessible just in terms of like the experience you're going to get watching it. Like it's no massive scale film like Interstellar Inception where you could be pulled in from like, you know, the science fiction aspects and just everything he's doing like so cool technically. It's like one of those movies that just requires constant attention. Um, and it's like, it's tough to recommend Memento to a friend who isn't as big a film nerd as we are um, just because of like the nonlinear storytelling, the confusing narrative and stuff like that. But it definitely in my mind and Tyler's mind as well, warrants a top four spot. Seth, kick us off you with your hear, top. Yeah. Do you want to hear something that may surprise you? I think this is surprising. Memento has more logs on Letterboxd than the prestige. You don't hear about it nearly as much, do you? That's interesting. Really? Yeah. Well, Memento. That's really. Well, I guess the prestige is the IMDb top 100. Too. I was going to say because Memento is the IMDb top 100, so maybe more people try yeah. to check that off. But, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, valid. I didn't realize Memento was in the million watched club, honestly. <laughs> I, I I had no idea. I didn't yeah, that, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, Seth, well, you're, you're number three. Yes. Uh, so my number three is The Real Chad Last Night, and that is Dunkirk. Um, so I've seen Dunkirk. Um, no, that's not my third watch. Uh, I think Dunkirk is. I, I really, really think it's incredible. I, I, I think it's one of the best um, war films of this century so far. I think it clearly shows the disorientating, oppressive nature of war by by showing these different perspectives, the different characters, and what they go through. I really like how he doesn't showcase the enemy. I think it's just solely focused on on, on the English's perspective in this. Um, and I really show. I think it shows the balance between like the moments of victory and the moments of of the mental well-being, the positive moments to the to the negatives, to the to the triumphs, to the to the um, scared nature that the, the soldiers faced. I think further than that, again, which I I think is a term used a lot with 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 Nolan, but he is a, a very much a, a visual filmmaker. He creates spectacles, and I think this Dunkirk is no different. I would actually argue 
in my opinion, I think Dunkirk is his best looking film. Um, I really, really do. I think the use of practical effects is incredible. I think the the sound design is 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 haunting. Did who did the sound? Did Hans Zimmer do Dunkirk? No, he didn't. Uh, it was no Hans Zimmer did the guy who did Oppenheimer. It was the guy who did Oppenheimer, wasn't it? No, Hans Zimmer did uh, Dunkirk. Oh no, the guy who did Oppenheimer did Tenet. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, no, because I watched fucking one Dunkirk song at Hans Zimmer. I'm lying. The guy, yeah, he did. He did Dunkirk. Um, the sound design is is so incredibly haunting, and I think it really shows a perspective that is kind of unseen in war films, especially with his decision to not showcase any of the enemy in itself. And I really like the different plot lines it follows. So this is a four, This is where I get into like the high rated Nolan to me. This is a, a four point five. Um, so going up from four to four point five, um, and I think this is really, really a, a great film. That I think this might be one of his lowest rated. Not across the board on Letterbox stuff like that, which does surprise me. But I think also it's kind of a misunderstood film where people went into a war film expecting like the usual war epic we're used to seeing, um, and this kind of contained story, which obviously we don't get. It's a lot more um, complex than that in the way that it showcases its characters, which aren't really there. Um, yeah, I think it's incredible. I think this actually could go even higher for me on rewatching. This could even end up going two or one. I really, really like Dunkirk. I think it's great. Um, and yes, yeah, that is my three, uh, my first uh, 4.5 out of five. Yeah, Dun- Dunkirk currently sits at number seven on like Nolan's ranking average, a- average letterboxed rating. Yeah, it's number seven. It's at, it. Yeah, it's, it's at a 3.8. It's tied with The Batman Begins. And then Just there's a massive the jump, massive jump to 4.2 uh, for Memento. Memento, okay. Yeah, so... That's kind of where it sits right now. So right in the middle of the pack. Um, Tyler, your number three. Yeah, my number three is Interstellar. And I'm really happy to hear we all have it so highly because obviously it's a very contested film in the film community. But I've had such a trip with Interstellar. I've probably seen it like 10 times in my life. And I started immediately when I first saw it and rewatched it initially. I was at like a five stars. Like It was one of the best movies I've ever seen. Blew my mind. Loved the acting. The emotion worked for me. I loved everything about it. Then I went through a couple of rewatches where like the whole end sequence with the wormhole and the, the time dilation and the whole full circle time continuity and breaking the like getting into the fourth dimension type stuff. Then that like almost broke the movie for me. And I was like, oh, this is like a three star movie in my mind. I was like, I just didn't really like the ending. It was like kind of just like gets like too far fetched, even though this is a movie that's like so insanely far fetched, obviously in science fiction. And then I started rewatching it again the last two times and it's back to five stars. I'm like. I think I just got into watching and reviewing film more critically, like since I didn't care for the inter- Interstellar much, and I'm like, I've just gotten to the point where like I just don't give a shit about stuff that's like unreal. Like that's the point of film. Like I love like being able to tell a story or a narrative with some like crazy ideas and concepts, especially in the science fiction realm. So I I, I love the it's like weird because like I started Interstellar was like a five star, then like I at one point in my life I didn't care for it as much, and now I'm back to where I think it's just absolutely incredible. The score, nothing needs to be said there. It's amazing from Hans Zimmer. The Matthew McConaughey delivers such an emotional, gut wrenching performance. Casey Affleck's a great side role as well. Um, you got Anne Hathaway. Um, Michael Caine didn't care for him in the movie mainly because you can't really hear a word he says. Honestly, he's just like mumbling the whole time. It's such a low volume. You definitely need subtitles for him. But yeah, I just I just really love Interstellar. It moves me every time. Just recently rewatched it when my friend came and visited me. He'd never seen it. And I was really interested to hear his thoughts because he's more of a type who like tends to be like a hater on mainstream movies. And he's like, oh, I like only like indie projects. Hey, it's me. Yeah. But he'd never seen Interstellar. So I was like, I really wonder what he's going to say. And then like 
It was one of those where he like didn't say a single word the whole movie, and then the movie ended. He's like, "That was one of the greatest movies I've ever seen." I'm like, ah, there we go. Let's go. Um, but yeah, Interstellar. A lot of people hate it in the film community. I don't really get why. I don't know. I just really? think it's like they. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's very popular to be like Interstellar's mid. Like it's not just Alex Coleman. There's a lot of people who like want to hate on it. Really, I thought this was like the consensus <laughs> for most people. From what I see on like TikTok. Yeah, I mean more from like film Twitter and stuff. Like people like are yeah. more anti Nolan, like to rip down Interstellar, but. I don't know. I have a great it's, it's time. Cool. It. It's cool to hang out, hate on the film bro movies. <laughs> it's cool to hate on anything Christopher Nolan for sure. Like liking him is yeah. definitely not cool on film Twitter. <laughs> yeah, um, even I don't hate on Nolan. That says a lot to be fair. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> um, I, I won't harp too much on my number three because Tyler just said everything I feel. Interstellar is also my number three. This is just one of my most unforgettable movie theater experiences. I remember finishing this movie, walking out with my friends in silence, and then the entire car ride home we basically screamed at each other, like talking about like what we had just seen. Um, obviously we were stupid, like 16, 17 year olds. So we were just losing our shit after watching oh, this movie. You're 16, 17, you're old, bro. I'm like a year older than you dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, th this is just, you guys know how much I love science fiction. You guys know how much I love, you know, particularly science fiction, space movies, um, and, and this is just, this is my wet dream. Everything uh, from the visuals to the storytelling to Hans Zimmer's. One of the greatest scores I've ever listened to. Tyler touching on Matthew McConaughey absolutely rings true. It's just such an emotional performance. Um, the, 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 obviously, the, the very famous scene in the movie is when he's watching back all of the, the video messages from his children. And that's just... Literally a just five minute masterclass in acting from McConaughey. It's so goddamn good. Um, I yeah. I, Tyler said everything I feel. I I just absolutely love this thing. I've seen it. It has to be more than ten times at this point, and it's just one of those movies that doesn't lose its value for me. I just I, I love watching it every single time. Um, so Interstellar sits at my number three spot. Also, Seth. also for Interstellar, Matt Damon with one of the most hateable cameos of all time. Just like. Yeah, talk about a dude a who does doesn't dick. enter a movie for two hours, comes in and just throws a <laughs> wrench into the plans. <laughs> just fucks everything. Oh my god, I didn't even the docking sequence, man. I clearly remember my theater just a collective gasp when that thing exploded. That was shit. Fuck, I'm gonna watch every Nolan movie today. <laughs> Seth, what is your number two? Uh, yeah. So my number two is 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 also well. Not also, because you, you had a three, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that was our three. Um, <clears throat> so my number two is Interstellar. Um, a really interesting film. I actually only watched it for the first time, I want to say, uh, February last year. So it's not been a crazy long time. Um, wait, what year are we in? 2023. Wow. Yeah, last year. Jesus, man. I'm <laughs> time is going so quick. Crazy. Uh, yeah, so I only watched it probably like 18 months ago, whatever it was. Um, on, on first watch... I well, I think I give it around like a four point five, which is around you know what I have it now. I think Interstellar is again. I don't want to keep beating on the horn, but it's, it is a visual spectacle. It's it's a huge epic science fiction piece that is, in my opinion, one of the best science fiction films of this century so far. In the way that it handles the way that it handles space, I think is really interesting, and I think I appreciate the research that went into that is the main thing because I think a lot. I see a lot of science fiction movies which aren't completely there um i think matthew mcconaughey is is fantastic and i think that 
it works on a basis of showing relationship and showing the importance of a a, a dad and, and a father relationship and connection love i will say that i am kind of with ex old tyler i guess i don't love the ending um so we I, I actually really really like interstellar and there's definitely a case that could be made if the ending was slightly different i could give this a five star because it's a 4.5 i think it's great i don't love the way they handle the ending i think using the power of love or whatever i i not for me um i think they could have handled it a different way but again i think that this is it's powerful it's not just an epic which is what people mostly give it credit for it is a beautiful piece on on, on parenthood on fatherhood on connection and i think that is shown for its many emotional sequences um such as the the video message sequence such as the uh what, how would you even describe what happens when he's like no no i mean exactly like, like that nah. that was perfect yeah that was good wasn't it um <laughs> It's like I think it's it's kind of again what I said earlier. It's it's one of Nolan's most kind of emotionally expressive films, and that is a critique I've had of Nolan before. In, in that, I think a lot of his films are visual epics that are, are beautiful to the eyes, but don't really provoke you any further. Um, me with Inception, for example, but I think Interstellar kind of goes beyond that, and it, it tackles both and has the perfect balance between the two, between narrative and creating this visual story. Uh, yeah, the only literally the only criticism I have of Interstellar is the ending. I actually don't mind the exposition at all in this one. I think it's needed. I think it's there. I don't think it's overused. I think all the cast do a great job. Um, what's her name? Jessica Chastain, particularly Matthew McConaughey, both fantastic. And halfway, whatever. And I, uh, yeah, again, going to the um, Matt Damon cameo as well. As <laughs> don't can't really forget weird. Timothy Chalamet uh, also. Timothy, yeah, Timmy yeah, Timmy. I, I often forget. You know when that trend was going around on. Um, TikTok where it was like you got three acts and you had to name all the films I, like they've been in. I I just completely forgot he was in Stella. You know what I think? Yeah. When, I never remember he's in it at all. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. That had to be like his first major casting, I'd imagine. Yeah. I mean, like, kind of similar pretty... for like Barry Keoghan for Dunkirk. That's kind of like the first like blockbuster yeah. that cast them, but they have such a minor role you kind of forget they're in it. Yeah. Barry Keoghan in Dunkirk. Didn't he fall downstairs and die? <laughs> yeah, that's all he does, really, in the movie. <laughs> that's all he does. He, he just fell downstairs, no. died, and that was it. Oh, actually, first blockbuster. When did Killing of a Sacred Deer come out? Because that was pretty That big, might be 20. Oh, same year. Yeah, the same year. Yeah. yeah, but obviously yeah. Dunkirk's like a different level. In terms yeah, of yeah. Of actually, yeah. But I like <laughs> what I like role. what Seth said about like uh, Interstellar not just being a visual epic or like an epic space movie because it is, it is such like a, a human story at its core. Like I feel like if you're... If you're like a 40 year old dad who has kids who are like college age and you feel like you like wasted their childhood, like working long hours or something. And you like are looking at your kids going off and leaving the house and you're like, fuck, I wasted a lot of their life because I was just working so much. I feel like Interstellar is a movie that would like make you want to drive in incoming traffic on the way home. <laughs> like just really like it's definitely a movie where I feel like dads who work too much would be like it would break them for sure. Because it's just, you're yeah. just like, fuck, I, why am I like wasting my kid's life by just sitting in the office all day? Yeah, su also, super the personal. Is, the score is just as good as it's it so goddamn good, man. Tyler, what is your number two? Yeah, number two is Dunkirk. So both of you have already touched on it, but I really do think this is visually the best Christopher Nolan film, and I think it is such an underrated movie and very much a misunderstood movie. And but because I when I saw it the first time, I even misunderstood it, but rewatching it all came together for me like. You don't know, you, you don't get much personal details on these soldiers, and that's the point. Like, you're these are just supposed to be faceless, nameless individuals that are working as a collective to, for the cause. You never see the villain, you never see epic combat. And I feel like the whole movie gets kind of summed up in the final 
lines of the movie where you kind of watch you're like what was the whole point of that like you don't really see like most war films i feel like like they feel like oh we have to show the resolution of the war at the end we have to like finish it off by like showing everything that finally happened but you know they kind of get back and harry styles and other main guy kind of get on land and then they get handed a blank and they're like well done lads and they're like all we did was survive and they're like that's enough and like that's the whole point of the movie like you're not looking at the conclusion of the war you don't see the villain you don't see fighting you don't get to know these people's backstories it's like all they literally did was survive uh impossible situation and this movie tells the details of that and you really like tom hardy doesn't say a single word this whole movie yet his character arc is so beautiful in terms of he's just a, a you don't see him you don't hear him but he's protecting people and that's kind of what the whole purpose of this movie is you don't know these people's names you don't know who these soldiers are but they're out there protecting you keeping a watchful eye over you protecting your life and your freedoms yeah, Dunkirk's like just a masterpiece of a movie, I think. And yeah, like the the visuals are just so crazy. And I think that's the thing. Like so many movies you can point to saying like, oh, there's some wonky visuals here, wonky CGI. But I don't think any Christopher Nolan movie ever really has any of those moments because he is so committed to the production design and doing this stuff practically that I just feel like people, especially the people who like to hate on film bro movies, just don't give him enough credit for because... His movies do all just look so visually good because he does invest so much into the production and the practical side of things that really all his movies age to a point where you can go back and watch them and not be like, ooh, that doesn't look great. Like Dunkirk's going to look flawless in like several years because there's no big, you know, legs being blown off or bombs being dropped on people. Like there's no crazy like set piece like that. It's really just a very human film. And uh, yeah, I, easily one of the biggest jumps in a film rating for me personally on watch to rewatch. I probably like, I didn't log it when I first saw it cause I saw it in theaters and I like, it was like a three star for me. I was in college. I went with buddies. I was like, I don't know. I was kind of bored with that, honestly. And then I rewatched it. I'm like, it was a five star masterpiece. So I uh, really like Dunkirk. It hurts. it hurts Dunkirk. Obviously it's obvious from the name, but it, I think it hurts a lot of people's perception going into it as a war a film in the war genre because they're used to seeing the, Although, obviously, not you know, I'm saying, but all Western fronts, the I guess 1917s, where it shows this kind of visceral, violent imagery, whereas Dunkirk is a lot more self contained. Like, for example, I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Dunkirk wasn't R rated or like a 50 and over in the UK, was it? Was it? Uh, I think it. I actually don't think it? so. I, I don't remember anything that would have like jumped out as making it rated R. That's what, that's what I mean. Whereas, in comparison to usual war films, it is very visceral its imagery and and and, bru and brutal and grotesque. But I think Dunkirk is such a self-contained story that it doesn't have to be that because, as Tyler said, it is so human in the way it portrays its characters. I guess. Yeah, I don't think it was um, R-rated. No, no, PG thirteen, PG thirteen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think even that would have, you know, for a lot of people, if um, and I probably wrote when I was younger, you see a war film and it's PG thirteen or like fifteen in the UK. Or 12 in the uk it, you're going to look at it differently do you know what i mean you're going to yeah not going to be there um so yeah I, I completely agree with what tyler was saying yeah my number two is inception um i i can't even express to you my my love for this film again it's just science fiction on this grand scale it's nolan just taking risks pushing the boundaries of what science fiction can be and i just absolutely fucking love it i i, I think it's one of nolan's most you know, rewatchable films just in terms of every time you watch it, you just, you gain something new from it. And I think that's just such a incredible quality to have in one of your films. Um, I, I do agree. I think Tyler, you mentioned it. I didn't much care for the whole Leo and his wife uh, storyline. I think that, I don't think that hindered it. I think that did add like a little bit of an emotional aspect to this movie. Um, 
And it also led to a classic Leo screaming scene, which which I'll never complain about. But that's the one part of the movie where I just didn't much care for it. But other than that, this is just a brilliant piece of filmmaking. I absolutely love it. Um, I, I, I think it's so engaging. It's so intriguing. It, it's so complex. And like I said, you just get something out of it every single time you watch it. Every time you watch it, it kind of feels like a first watch because you're learning new information. You're seeing something you maybe didn't see previously. Uh, and I absolutely love that. And then just like Interstellar, nothing we need to say about the score. Hans Zimmer just doing his thing with these massive horns, which just adds to like the scale of this movie. Um, I, I, I fucking love it. Elliot Page, I think, turns in such an amazing uh, supporting performance. Or would, would we call that supporting or may? I would call it supporting. I call it supporting. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, I would call it supporting. I, I, I think... Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't know Elliot Page's pronoun, so I'm going to assume it's he. Yeah, it's either he or they. I honestly don't know. Yeah. No, I'm pretty All sure right. it's he. I'm pretty sure it's he. Right. It's I'm going to assume it's counts, he. So we're trying. Yeah, yeah. I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing him. Um, but yeah, I, I think he just works so goddamn well right there with Nolan. Um, their two characters are so like apart in, in morality and kind of how they approach this dream jumping. And I just think that adds so many layers to this already you know, really solid screenplay. Um, the whole cast, I think, turns in fantastic performances from Tom Hardy to to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, so, so that's my number two. Um, I do want to say one. I do want to say one quick last, last thing on Dunkirk because you mentioned the score and it reminded me. Yeah, yeah. Dunkirk's score from Hans Zimmer is like not anywhere near his top ten most iconic scores of all time. No one's going to debate that. But I think this might be the most effective Hans Zimmer score ever for me. Like, yeah. When I was watching it, I was like almost like at anxiety attack levels throughout this entire movie, how like nauseating his score was. It's a lot of like violin strings, yeah, pluckiness. And like, I yeah. think like maybe recency bias, but in terms of most effective Hans Zimmer scores, like the Dunkirk score is like had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. All of his scores. That's like, listen, I'm going to suck off Hans Zimmer. The glazing is like <laughs> Cam's crazy not here. here so but, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Cam's Cam's not here. So I can, but like, that's one thing that I love about Hans Zimmer. He's so good at adapting to like different genres and, and meeting different expectations. I mean, just with Christopher Nolan alone, he's done comic book movies. He's done a war film. He's done two science fiction films. You know, he he's all over the place in genres and he just does such a good job at like knowing exactly what these genres require to to like fully enhance the experience of his viewer and it's just fucking incredible um seth i know what your number one is go for it yeah uh so my number one is is the dark knight and i think this is an interesting one um because when people tell me that they don't particularly love the dark knight um or have it low on their known rankings like like uh, tyler did i actually completely understand i think the dark knight is very much a film for me where I don't really have to go into the the details of the film because I actually understand the faults and I understand the criticisms people have of the Dark Knight in general. But I think the Dark Knight for me, as as as, as someone growing up who was never into the, the into superhero films, and uh, well, maybe the first obviously the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, and that was about it. Um, I think the Dark Knight kind of took it to a position of this was the first and maybe only ever superhero film I've genuinely loved. This is today the only superhero film I have at a five star. Yes. Wait. Some it reason is. I okay. didn't. I didn't realize you. Ha- I thought you had no Nolan's at a five star, and I was going to be a little salty. No, no I've, I've done. Uh, we have. I swear, we have this conversation about me having that. Yeah, we we do oh, have this conversation all the time. I always get yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Dark Knight and the Empire Strikes Back <laughs> confused. I guess. Um. Yeah. So it's like it's more this. This comes from like a childhood love. I think I actually remember going to see this when I was fucking. I don't know how old I was. Maybe like ten. Whatever. 
um and and being there and kind of re-watching it as a kid and i actually haven't watched it in about six months to a year so i'm about to get around to it soon and even though i completely do understand the faults um and i do think there is especially with the, the hand time comic which again nolan man like did this some of the choreography on this combat wasn't great i don't even care george i do not care I mean, I don't, oh. I, I don't disagree with you. Oh, really? Okay, fair enough. No. <laughs> uh, but I think that it just stands out to me as something that, when I was growing up, is the only superhero form I really loved. Something that really took me in to, I guess, the Batman world, and I think it made me appreciate Batman's. Like, I, I remember watching this and going to watch the um, the Keaton Batman's, the Clooney Batman's, which again, was a little bit weird. But and then kind of progressing on and, and just being so interested in the character because of this this particular film or, or Begins and 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 Dark Knight. And I think Dark Knight is just a, a a huge epic that deserves to be poured. It's, it transcends a superhero movie in my eyes. It's a crime drama such as the Batman did last year. I think it's absolutely the same in the way that it transcends comic book movies, or at least the way that they are perceived. Um, and I think it does it in such a way which is just a, um, a a really perfectly executed crime drama that has all the elements of a of a blockbuster and all the elements that a blockbuster needs to succeed, which is why it did so. Did Dark Knight make a billion? yeah yeah okay why well, did so well um and yeah it's a five out of five for me it's the only nolan i have a five out of five it's also the only super film i have a five out of five and it's just a film that i'm kind of worried about re-watching it do you know what i mean like i, I like what tyler said i feel like i'm kind of worried it. about watching this but i also think even if i did rewatch it even if i noticed the small faults the kind of memories i have won't uh they won't overtake the memories i guess so I don't imagine anything overtaking this as my as my number one Nolan. Um, that is obviously the Dark Knight. Yeah, obviously, I'll I'll just back that up. Believe it or not, the Dark Knight is also my number one. Wow, uh, that might come as a shock to some of you. Um, no, th this is my favorite movie of all time. It, it's got to be easily my most rewatched movie of all time. Just growing up as as a massive fan of Batman comics, the Batman animated series. Um, as well as even like Keaton's Batman. This was just the culmination of everything I love about this character. It's, you know, the long Halloween brought to life. It's year two brought to life. These are these are graphic novels. Um, and, and I just think it embodies the character of Batman and this particular story um, with his relationship to the Joker, as well as uh, the, the mob aspect of Gotham. I think it just brings everything together so goddamn incredibly. Heath Ledger obviously turning in in my mind, one of the best performances of all time, easily the best villain performance in a comic book movie of all time, in my mind. Um, Hans Zimmer's score, again, he's just so good at capturing, you know, whatever he needs to capture. And this is, this, for me personally, just stands head and shoulders above any other comic book score. And no matter how much I love, you, you know, my. I've seen it live, George. It's really good, actually. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> Uh, but I, as much as I love like Michael Giacchino's score in the Batman, I, I don't even think it touches Hans Zimmer's score in the Dark Knight. Um, it, there, there's I could write a, a fucking dissertation on this movie, um, but we're we're a little pressed for time, so I'm I'm gonna stop it there. It's my favorite movie. Write a dissertation. Is it a film <laughs> you think you could uh, run through screen by screen? You know, like the Raiders boys do. I think I could. Yeah, I feel like this is your film. Yeah, I think there are like. A handful of films I could do that for. The this Dark is like Knight your is. Lord of the Rings for me. Yeah, it's without a doubt. I think I can like. I think I could rewrite a few scenes and get the dialogue perfectly, especially like scenes with the Joker. Um, but yeah, favorite movie of all time. It's in like my top five best films ever of all time. It's my number one comic book movie of all time. My number one Batman movie of all time. 
Um, so yeah, that that that's my number one. Tyler. Yeah, my number one is the Prestige. Um, just absolutely love it. Seen it multiple times. I think this is the best scale for a Christopher Nolan mindfuckery movie because Memento we talked about it's pretty it's it's a little tough for someone to get into on a casual basis Inception and Tenet are obviously grand scale mindfuckery movies Interstellar has the crazy ending that really takes a sci-fi twist whereas the prestige has a lot of you know magic sleight of hand twists there's a you know that you have the twins the identical twins like that's you know more of like a muted more you know 1800s-esque twist but then also you have major things like the cloning from nikola tesla and all those science experiments that's like that's where you really start to get flashes of some craziness and some science fiction but i feel like more so like the way he was able to keep these twists felt very human and felt very down to earth and i don't know this just has everything you want personally from like a mindfuck movie in terms of there's a complicated plot with twists that's so well done and it has like the perfect one-liners every time like Christian Bale delivers some perfect iconic lines are you watching closely abracadabra and it's just all so perfectly done that I just loved everything everything was just a cherry on top um is this a 10 out of 10 for you no it's a 9.8 um I haven't watched it in over two years now so maybe I'm rewatching my bump up but the thing is like I think a lot of Christopher Nolan people have issues with Christopher Nolan and how he makes relationship dynamics. I think the prestige for me is the best one. Like you really feel for the wife who, cause obviously she's basically married to two men and she's obviously incredibly depressed. Cause it feels like she's married to two men. Spoiler, Spoiler for a movie from 17 years ago, man. And you're watching a Christopher Nolan specific podcast. So it's your own fault, but you really kind of just like feel for her so hard. And I feel like that was the most I ever felt for like a female in a Christopher Nolan movie, where I feel like they're mostly written kind of thinly. Whereas I really just like felt her pain throughout this entirety of this movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Incredible acting. I don't know like when the production of this was, cause this came out between begins and rises, but I, or begins and dark Knight. but I wouldn't be surprised if this was filmed before begins. I don't know. It just feels weird. Like, Christian Bale, like, yeah, Christian Bale like bouncing was. from Batman to this to back to Batman would feel a little <laughs> weird. But um, yeah, I mean, I I can't say enough good things about the Prestige. It's one of those movies that when I saw it for the first time, like, I immediately like tried to get everyone I knew to watch it. I'm like, and I think actually when I first saw it, I didn't even know this was a Christopher Nolan movie. Like, I watched it years and years and years ago, and it was just kind of like saw a movie. I'm like, oh, let's watch this like magician movie because also like I think Seth mentioned, I love the production set. So this and the design, like the yeah. 1800s, like. Old Town, Colorado, kind of the beginning of the electronic age. Like it was, just, it's just super cool and like lends itself to some super cool costumes and stuff. So yeah, Prestige is awesome. Well, there you have it. Let's recap our top five very quickly. Uh, my number five was The Prestige. At number four, I had Memento. Three, Interstellar. Two, Inception. One, The Dark Knight. Seth, your top five. Uh, yeah, it was Prestige at 5, Inception 4, Dunkirk 3, uh, Interstellar 2, and The Dark Knight 1. Tyler? Yep, and then 5 for me is Inception, 4, Memento, 3, Interstellar, 2, Dunkirk, and 1, The Prestige. And I want to do one quick fun thing with you guys. Since we're, this is going to be uploaded on Wednesday, which means George and I will have already seen Oppenheimer, and I think like that will be like the day Seth is seeing Oppenheimer. But just quickly guess, just yeah, a prediction. I don't know anymore. M might change, um, might move up, but who, who knows? But um, guess what? Where, where in this ranking? So that will obviously have twelve films at this point. Just making a, a prediction where you think it's going to land. For me, I'm going to go with two. I think it's going to land two for me, just behind the Ew. prestige. That's my bold prediction. I have high, high uh, hopes for Oppenheimer, which is scary. But I'm predicting two. 
I actually had this conversation with someone yesterday because they asked me when I was live on TikTok. I I said four. So I think Inception will be five and Dunkirk will stay three. I think it slots into four. So high expectations. I'm going to go right with Seth. I think I'm going to slot this in between Interstellar and Memento. So it would be my number four, pushing everything back one. But I'm 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 I telling you right now. Such, this, this, this is such a hard. No, this question, is this man. is scary the for, is, the, for me. Yeah, it would like for me to get it four. It would just need a, a high four star. No, no, no. I, for you guys, it would need like you know, like, what would it need for you, Tyler? Like, out of ten on your on your a nine point six or no, yeah, nine point six or above. But no, I'm not even kidding. You. This is this is how high my expectations are. I wouldn't even be surprised if Oppenheimer drops a one bomb on me. That's like, I'm, 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 I have uh, high I'm gonna, hopes. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna set my expectations straight just so I don't go in and get yeah, disappointed. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I end Oppenheimer at a four and a half out of five, and I'm gonna slot it between the Prestige and Batman Begins for the number six spot. I think I'll give it a four and a half. I think four. I think four for me. I hope that's four. God. I I mean, listen, if this is in my top four, I'll cream my pants. Uh, <laughs> but all right. That wraps up episode, real quick, episode 74, our Christopher Nolan ranking. If you're watching on YouTube, drop your ranking in the comments. Let us know uh, how you stack up Christopher Nolan's filmography. And if you haven't seen Oppenheimer, give us your prediction on where you think you're going to rate it. I just want to mention as well, sorry, George, before you finish. No, 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 go for it. With the strikes and stuff, we are going to be focusing a lot on some older content as well. So if you have any other directors you want us to rank the filmographies of, uh, I'm sure all of those guys will be happy to, to watch some of the other directors and then do some videos like this because I know people have been asking for it. So if you have any specific directors, feel free to you know drop in the comments or give us a message or whatever you want to do. That's fine. Yeah, yep. Completely agree. We're going to try play around with a couple of episodes going forward while the strike is going on. So anything you guys want us to hear, let us know and, and maybe we'll get around to it. But thank you all for stopping in. Um, for those of you at this point when this episode drops, if you have not seen Oppenheimer yet, enjoy. Drop your, I guess, predictions in the comments where you think you'll rate it. Um, but we will see you tomorrow for episode 75.